tap into your most original thinking, organize your ideas, and create the opportunities to launch your creative work. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. Welcome back, friends, to our podcast, Unlocking Your World of Creativity. And we're so happy today to stamp our creative passport in Helsinki, Finland. It's our first time to Finland, and we're talking with our guest, Lauren Notan. Lauren, welcome to the program. Thank you very much for having me. It's your first time in Finland, and you're talking to a French guy. I know. I was going to try to get our world map out here because you were born in France, worked all in Southeast Asia for uh, many, many years, and just in the last couple of years, moved to Finland. Let's talk first about when you talk to creative practitioners, entrepreneurs, people with big ideas. You often say that impact is the most mm. frequently heard word. You know, we talk about purpose, find your why, but creative people like us seem to want to make impact with our work. What is your yeah. take? How do you translate that for us in terms of what impact might be? It's funny what you're talking about that because uh, I uh, recorded an interview for my own podcast with an entrepreneur in Italy. He talked about impact. The way he described it was leaving a legacy behind him. But he was really talking about it. it's a sense of purpose. That's what it is. It's knowing that you are doing it for the right reason. And those reason, those reasons are everything except money. And usually it's about helping others. So that entrepreneur I talked to, this is what he was about. He, he works in a fintech, but for him, he's, he's kind of an, on a mission to help people, people with a specific problem, to help them with the solution that he, that he has. And that is more important than anything else. That is more important than money. And what I see many, many times is that entrepreneurs, well, it's, I'm not sure they are, we can call them entrepreneurs, but let's let's still call them entrepreneurs. <laughs> they, start, they start a business for the wrong reason. And usually one of the wrong reasons is because they want to be rich. You know, they want, they see the, what the media talk about, you know, they talk about those rich entrepreneurs who had it all, you know, like it was nothing (laughs) and now they're rich, but that's, that's not the reality that I read somewhere that I don't remember where it was, but the chance for a startup to become a unicorn is, what was it? Three out of 5 million or something mm, like that, mm, like 0.0000009%. So you can't, you can't do it for the money, but it has to make sense. Simon Sinek talks about start with why. This is really what the entrepreneurs are talking about. It's, it's doing it for the right reason, reasons that, that make sense to them because it will help them with everything that they do. It will help them make the right decisions. It will help them recruit the right people. It will help them work with the right clients, for instance. So it's really, really critical. And it's so interesting that, you know, we have now become all aware that we should have our why. You know, we're aware Mm -hmm. that we should have this purpose other than money. But are we trying to copy somebody else's why? You know, it's like, well, because Simon Sinek said this or because Brene Brown wrote this, you know, that there is a sense of ought to, like I ought to have this Mm. purpose rather than looking inside and doing the hard work of finding what that drive should be for us personally. Exactly. In my case, for instance, you know, before I became a coach, I always worked for others. And when I started, you know, thinking about it, 
like I thought, you know, it's time that I do something about it, that I, that I became an entrepreneur myself because I was surrounded by entrepreneurs. So I think they gave me the virus. Plus I was reaching the age of 40 and I was like, damn, I need to do it now because otherwise I would never do it. So it was really growing in me. But I really thought about what is it that I really want to do? You know, where will I blossom? And so I really had to think about what makes me me. What? So I had to go back. I went back to uh, all the experiences that I had at work. And then I realized that the thing that I really was enjoying the most at that time, I was running companies for others, is was around people. It was around training them. It was around mentoring my staff. It was around coaching them and seeing them grow in their role. I've always enjoyed those ha-ha moments that, that people have where you can see you can see the sparkles in their eyes. And I thought that's what I want to reproduce again and again and again. And that's why I became a coach. It just made sense for me. Mm -hmm. And Lauren, first of all, I know our listeners have picked up on this, but I love when I hear a French speaking person say the word entrepreneur, since it is a French word, it has so much more passion and beauty (laughs) behind it. Because I I know growing up, uh, you know, in my generation, anyway, nobody said, well, I can't wait to grow up and, you know, be an entrepreneur. I mean, people might have said start my own business or they might have said own the family business. But, you know, entrepreneur and now, of course, there's degrees, there's books, there's, you know, Mm -hmm. a a whole culture built around entrepreneurship. What do you think drives people to want to create something rather than just work for something at a job? Yeah, what I see from my guests uh, and I've interviewed like more than a hundred of them now is three types of entrepreneurs. The first type is those who were born in an entrepreneurial family. It's part of them. It's, it's already part of who they are. And usually they mention to me that they started as a kid. You know, they, they, were, they were selling candies or whatever, but they started as a young age and there's nothing else that they know. They've always done that. Then you have those people coming from the corporate world. And that's interesting because we're going back to purpose there. Because those people in the corporate world, all of them, they say more or less the same thing. They said, I was reaching a point where what I was doing didn't make sense. You know, I was, had a boss. I was not, you know, happy about the boss. or I didn't agree with the boss. And I could not, I don't have, I didn't have the freedom of making the decision that I wanted to. So I really decided to do something else. And usually the entrepreneurship is not something that, you know, uh, they say, oh, I'm going to become an entrepreneur right now. It's something that has, that has nature in them until they thought it was the right time. And then you have the other group, which is a bit of everything. (laughs) (laughs) But you have to to distinguish between entrepreneurs who do that because they need to survive. Uh, So for example, I live in Southeast Asia. There are a lot of entrepreneurs out there because there is no social security system, for instance. You know? So when they don't make any money, well, they have no money. There's no food on the table. So a lot of uh, families will uh, build a mom and pop shop, right? And usually that is run by the women. But real entrepreneurship, what I'm talking about, is a calling. It's like you have it inside you. And it just makes sense. There's nothing else you would do. But sometimes it takes years before it blossoms. Like in my case, it took 18 years. In the case of those corporate people, you know, it's it's also a long a long process. Mm-hmm. 
And once we are the entrepreneur, it's not always smooth sailing. <laughs> you know, oh, it's we, never. It's we, never. Exactly. <laughs> you know, you have this idea. I want to be my own boss. I had a mentor years ago that said, if I had to work for me, I'd quit. Um, you know, so <laughs> you know, we have to address some of our own obstacles. And you you yeah. identified these as bottlenecks, but yes. you know, there, there are symptoms of yeah. you know the slow growth, and you've even enumerated, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten bullets of what causes this stuckness. Uh, give us an idea of why we are the bottleneck sometimes. Imagine it's it like in your life. We often are on our own way. Imagine like, you know, this situation where you're a bit uh, anxious and you start creating all these stories into your head, yes. right? And then you start asking yourself very stupid questions, <laughs> <laughs> questions that don't really have any answer, but you keep on doing that, you know, and somehow you're stuck there and you cannot seem to find a way out. Well, that's, Have you that's ever noticed all those questions come in at, at an inconvenient time, like two yeah. or three in the morning? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's when you're the bottleneck. And that happens a lot with, with, uh, with entrepreneurs, too, because there is no difference between uh, the founder and the company. The founder is the company. When the founder or the founders strive, the companies strive. But when the founders have difficulties, they face challenges, then the company will face challenges too. The entrepreneur is the engine of a, it's like the engine of a car, right? When the engine stops, the car stops. It's exactly the same. So when you become the bottleneck, when you're in a situation where you are stuck mentally, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. Well, then your car, the company is stuck too. Now, how do you get there? Huh. <laughs> yeah that's that's a that's a big question it's so easy to get there you get there all the time you're there all the time actually <laughs> well exactly let's talk about your uh travels because this is what yeah. informs a lot of your experience so take us through a little bit of your own uh creative journey here from france to southeast mm. asia and now to finland how okay. has that gone for you well not so far so good <laughs> <laughs> I left France when I was uh, 23. So that that was like 23 years ago. And I left France and I went immediately to, I, I finished I finished my military service because of that. I was the last year of mandatory military service. And I, I ended up in a country called uh, Laos uh, in Southeast Asia. It's a very landlocked country where I followed my partner at that time and she found a job and I didn't have anything. I just followed because I, because I wanted to leave. We were supposed to stay there initially for nine months. We spent six and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> so I started working. This is where I started working for others. I started working for this small research uh, research agency, market research I'm talking about. And it was like a small agency, 10 staff. The funders, they were, she was like uh, French Laotian and he was French Cambodian. And a year after I started, they turned to me and they said, look, we're leaving. We're leaving to Cambodia. We need someone to run the business. And it's going to be you here are the keys by. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, this is, I'm simplifying, but this is more or less how it, how it happened. And this is, this is how I started running companies for others. And this is how I started being in management and leadership. And I just loved it from, from day one. And then I moved. I was offered a job in, uh, in Cambodia. Uh, and then we are, we are back in 2006 which I took because after seven years, six and a half years in Laos, you know, Laos is a small country, 5.5 million people. I was like turning into circles. 
my partner followed me. There I had like, I spent like eight years working for a great local regional market research agency. I studied as a research director, moved to the country director, and then moved move into the position of um, regional director, so covering the, the three countries. But so now we are in 2014. I resigned because I was I had difficulties with my uh, uh, shareholders who became the bottleneck in the business. <laughs> Basically, I won't go through details. Move into an advertising agency, working for an advertising agency, which I managed for 20s from 2014, April 2014 to October 2017. And then October 2017, I started my own journey as a, as a coach. But after, you know, 20 years, like, yeah, 20 years in Southeast Asia, I was tired. I was, I don't know if you've been to Southeast Asia, but it's, uh, it's wide. Yes. Uh, I'm not talking Singapore. Okay. If you if you went to Singapore, you didn't go to Southeast Asia. <laughs> you have you you have to experience countries like Cambodia, Laos, uh, you know the yes. Philippines, Vietnam, even Thailand to some extent to understand what I mean. But it's it's a bit chaotic. But it, I loved it for you know nearly twenty years. I really enjoyed it. But after twenty years, I was I was tired of of it. I needed a change. I needed people to stop at the traffic light it's well i was gonna say i, I have been <laughs> to hanoi and da Nang yeah. and uh and ho chi Minh city and i thought the traffic and crossing the street was a metaphor for you know the culture and the business and everything oh, yeah. i mean if you can cross the street uh that's a good first step yeah it's it's actually it's actually a great <laughs> metaphor i use i use i used to use the same one uh with the same analogy with driving actually uh but well, I didn't uh, even yeah. take that chance driving or <laughs> not even a scooter. Uh, <laughs> oh, you know, I drove a scooter in in uh, not in Hanoi, but in Oshimin. I drove yeah. cars in Cambodia. But once you drive, once you have driven over there, you can drive anywhere. Yes, driving, driving in Finland is boring. <laughs> yes. Well, and I was curious about you know, yeah. and and you mentioned the the French influence in yeah. these countries. How did you find that in terms of a working in a business relationship? You know, were you still the outsider or because there was a sort of a French, uh, I'll say, connection between the history and the cultures of the countries? Was that different for you? As the white people in Asia, in general, there's already like a high, you're respected. Doesn't mean that you are accepted, but but you're, you're respected. French people, a lot of the old generation in countries like Laos or Cambodia, even Vietnam to some extent, they still do speak French. Mm-hmm. French people are maybe a little bit more respected than than, than other uh, nationalities, but it didn't give me any uh, any advantages, <laughs> you know, being being French. But you can still see the influence, yeah, of uh, the French of the French uh, past in countries like uh, well Laos. Cambodia, although they are destroying more and more the old colonial uh, houses, unfortunately. But nothing, nothing that I could use because, to be honest, the young generation, what they're looking at is, is English, mm-hmm. you know. Yes. Uh, in Cambodia, every young person speaks, speaks English. They learn English and they use English to get out to the world, you know. And Vietnam is following Thailand also is following. So English is really is really something uh, the young people they want to strive for. Yeah, French. Right. <laughs> well, let's bring things up to date then in uh, yeah. Helsinki for you. And yeah. Lauren, you're not going to be surprised, but I hear and connect with a lot of coaches 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I put that in air quotes and coaches and trainers and mentors and teachers. But what what is it about coaching that yeah. we as entrepreneurs should, should think about, you know, why do we need this accountability or why do we need this extra training? There's so many creative practitioners. I mean, we're educated. We, we know what the business is and certainly we have a handle on the business. Why would we seek outside counsel like yourself? Well, you mentioned the word accountability. That's clearly something that a, a coach can help with. It can help someone to be accountable for uh, himself or herself. Mm-hmm. When you are at the top of the organization, who are you accountable to? Yourself, okay? Maybe you have a board of advisor. Maybe you have a mentor. Then you are accountable. You are accountable for them. That's that's the role of a coach mm-hmm. to keep you to keep you accountable for for yourself. Also, as an entrepreneur, you have to deal with so many things. You have to wear so many hats. Uh, there's so many things that you need to learn, you know, from financial management to marketing to customer service to, you know, production. If you work, if you work in the manufacturing, so many, so many things that at the end of the day, what do you need to focus on? What matters the most? And there is a big risk. And that is one of the bottlenecks. As an entrepreneur, the, one of the big risks is that you get lost into details because you're stuck into the day to day operations. Right, and you forget to take a step back from it. Look at the big picture. Think, okay, this is what I need to do now. This is what I need to focus on right now because this is what matters the most. That's where a coach can also help. I can help you take that step back and look at the picture. I always use the uh, the analogy with a wall. Imagine you have your head and the entire your entire body is stuck against a wall. Now, if you turn your head left or right, what do you see? Nothing. You see like a plain straight line. You don't see any exits unless it is right next to you, right? So how do you do to, you don't even know how high the wall is because you can't see, because mm-hmm. you can't, you don't know where the, exit, the exits are and how far they are. You don't even know how long the wall is. So what do you need to do? You need to take a step, two or three steps backward so you can analyze the situation from a different perspective. Well, that's what a coach does. Yes. Help you take those steps back. And in a way, people wait until they are stuck you know, to think about yeah. a coach. But uh, again, I had someone share with me the analogy. I mean, Serena Williams has a, a coach. She's a great yeah. tennis player, but she still yeah. has a coach. Somebody asked if the Rolling Stones still have to practice and rehearse before every concert, even though they played Start Me Up, you know, a billion times over the years. And the answer is yes, of course. I mean, Tom Hanks as a director, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so why uh, do you feel that people sometimes wait or do they engage you when they're kind of at the top of the game and want to maintain it? No, usually it's more when they are facing an issue, they engage me not when they are at the top of the game because when they are at the top of the game you know they are there so they don't feel they don't feel the need ego often gets on the way you mm. know i i'm an entrepreneur i have an ego okay don't tell me what to do because i know right everything's uh, going to, great yeah yes yeah complacency complacency is actually another bottleneck but even when things are not going well i believe entrepreneurs have a lot of difficulties to ask for help because they think that Help is not the right thing to do. You know, it's 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 going to devalue them. Okay, it's not. They just shouldn't have to ask for help. 
Right. So okay. So, so yeah. of course, you can do everything by yourself <laughs> if you if you want to, but you can also turn to professionals who actually know what they're talking about so that you can strive. There is no shame in asking for help. Asking for help will actually help you get there, get where you want to go. Mm, so good. Well, my guest has been Lauren Notan from Helsinki, Finland. Lauren, uh, before we close, I yes. wanted to think about this one thought that you had is that you were talking about a successful entrepreneur, one who is at the top of their game, yeah. but still could be so lost in the details and like yeah. uh, myopia here that they're not celebrating those successes. You, mm -hmm. you saw that as a sign and a symptom that they're too stuck in the business, that they're not stopping to celebrate. Yeah. You know, um, I've talked to a uh, to, to one entrepreneur, one of my clients, actually, he became a, a client. He was talking about, you know, as cheesy as it sounds, he was talking about uh, enjoying the journey and versus being focusing on one peak after another. And that's the problem with being uh, successful, you know, is that you can first, first, what is success, really? Okay? Don't measure success to what others do. Measure success to what you want success to be. So ask, always ask yourself, what is success for you? That's, that's the right question. But then, you know, going from one peak to another is great. But what's the point? You go there, and then once you are at that peak, you go to the next peak, and you go to the next peak, and it never ends. You know? So because it never ends, because anyway, entrepreneurship is, is a journey. You know when it starts. You never know when it's going to end. You better enjoy it on the way. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right? For take sure. the time to reflect. Take the time to celebrate the wins, the, the failures. Take the time to enjoy yourself. Take the time to take care of yourself too. Mm, so good. And Lauren, what's on your creative plate these days? As you know, you're looking after other entrepreneurs, but you're you're running a business and yeah. you know, you're a creative practitioner uh, in and of yourself. So what's on your laptop or desktop these days that you're working on? Oh, so many things all the time. I have <laughs> all the time. Like, you know, uh, is my website the right, is, is my website okay? Uh, what should I do? What should I do, you know, for my social media? But what is on my plate right now, which I want to focus on next, is my new ebook. Mm. I already have the title. You want it? Yes. The Good, the Bad, and the Reality. What does it take to be an entrepreneur? I love it. <laughs> there you go now when when am i going to write it i don't know yet yes <laughs> but hey well, you have the title yes well uh <laughs> you know the thing about podcasts as you know is you don't know if there's five people listening or five thousand people listening yeah. at any given moment right <laughs> but let's just say you have about 500 accountability partners who are yes. going to uh, respond to this podcast and say hey lauren where's that ebook Let's get exactly. after it. So exactly. we're going to be your partner in the journey. <laughs> exactly. That's a great way to be accountable for yourself. Announce it publicly. There you go. Well, you just did. Well, listeners, my guest is Lauren Notan. He's been a terrific coach and helpful partner to many entrepreneurs. And we've learned so much from your experience today. Appreciate it, Lauren. Thank you. Thank you very much for And uh, be here. sure to tell us how we can connect with you and learn more about your work and follow you. Sure, you can uh, always uh, check out my website, laurentnotin.com. Uh, you can contact me by email at contact at laurentnotin.com or reach out on LinkedIn. Same, Laurent Notin. I always 
I reply to all emails and to all uh, connections or messages on LinkedIn. Fantastic. Well, we'll put all those in the show notes so uh, we can link them and we can spell your name correctly and we can find you <laughs> and uh, all the good stuff. So, I've enjoyed my trip to Helsinki today. We'll have to make it real next time, not just virtual. And I'm sure you have a great coffee shop or even better, a great pub where we could meet up and share more stories. Yes. And sauna, remember, sauna. Sauna. Come, uh, <laughs> enjoy a sauna, like a real, the real thing, the ultimate Finnish experience, sauna. Very good. <laughs> well, listeners, join me again as we continue our creative travels. Uh, we've exceeded 100,000 downloads. We're well into our 200th episode and beyond. So continue traveling with us as we talk to creative practitioners around the world about how they get inspired and how they organize ideas. And most of all, how they gain the confidence and the connections to launch their work out into the world. So until next time, I'm Mark Stenson, and we've been unlocking your world of creativity. See you next time. Unlocking your world of creativity with best-selling author and brand innovator, Mark Stinson. This program was produced by BSB Media, creators of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Unlocking Your World of Creativity, and ThePeaceRoom.Love. Our podcast is supported by Adobe and the Adobe Creative Cloud, the world's best creative app and services, so you can make almost anything you can imagine wherever you're inspired. We use Adobe to help make this podcast, using Audition, InDesign, and more. So join the creative community with the Adobe Creative Cloud, and let's make something better, unlocking your world of creativity.